Amen. Well, hallelujah. It's good to be with you this morning. We've been going through several of our core values uh, over the past several weeks, and uh, how many of you have enjoyed that so far? Has it been good? Has it blessed you to know not only who we are as fire, but really everything that we have as a core value, again, is it's part of being a, the being the kingdom church, being a part of the bride of Christ. Anything that we say is core value to us is a core value to just simply being a Christian. But I'm telling you, there's something about authenticity that is a desperate need in this current generation. Uh, there's a need for it in every generation that we would have those that truly represent God and represent God well. And I know that's your heart. I know that's my heart. As we've gone over the first couple of being God-fearing, of knowing what it is to truly be those that honor and revere God, not those that aren't scared of God, but those that don't want anything to come in our lives that would keep us separated from God. That our fear is that we would honor Him and honor Him alone, that we don't take things lightly, but we truly respect the one who is worthy, the one who is holy, the one who is to be hallowed, even though he's our friend, even though he's our lover, even though he's the one that is closer than a brother, he's also the one that is to be feared. Amen? So we fear him. We're a God-fearing people. And then last week we talked about being those that are, or actually two weeks. Last week? Yes, last week. You're keeping me straight. Talked about passionate pursuing. We're in passion, a passionate pursuit of the Lord. And I will never apologize for being a passionate person. There's a lot of things that this world can take away from us. But I'm telling you, there's one thing that the world can never take away, and that's our passion for Jesus. You can give it away, but they can't take it away. They can't take away your passion. And we need to be those that are passionately pursuing, because he passionately pursues us. So this morning, we're going to go into the third one, and it's, we're going to talk about being spirit-empowered this morning. Spirit-empowered. We're a spirit-empowered people. And you can go ahead to that first slide in the back, guys. We are spirit-empowered. We value the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our midst, marking us as God's supernatural people and manifesting himself miraculously. Amen? Do you believe that? We know that apart from Christ, we can do nothing and we must be led by him. Nothing good can come from us unless it originates with him first. Our lasting fruit will be, a, be the result of the Holy Spirit power, Holy Spirit's power working in our every waking moment, both the simple and the exciting. The simple and the exciting. Why do I say that? Because sometimes when we think being spirit-empowered is a big flash, it's lightning and it's thunder. But can I tell you, every waking moment, the Lord calls us, to be calls us to be spirit empowered he gives us the power to be at ease and at peace in the midst of immense pressure he gives us the empowerment to be kind when our flesh would love to come back with a quick response to those that are around us he gives us the ability to love the unlovable to reach those that are those that are not being reached by anyone else the power of god we are spirit-empowered to be able to go through the days when we don't see anything exciting, quote-unquote, at all. In the mundane things, we are spirit-empowered. But also, again, in the exciting, in the miraculous, yes, we are spirit-empowered because we are a different kind of people. We're a peculiar people. We're marked by God. And the world should see power operating through us. It should be our complete and total testimony that we are held by God, that we are long-lasting in God. We're not here today and gone tomorrow. We're not hypocritical people. We're those that mean what we say, and we go after the Lord, and we allow him to work through us. That's who we are. We're spirit-empowered. The world was looking for a spiritual people. Even going back to the Old Testament, I want you to look at Exodus 33, verses 14 through 17 with me this morning. As Moses has the, the people, the Hebrews, taken out of a land of bondage and, 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 and going into the presence of God and being called out by him, being instructed with his law. 
It says in verse 14, and he said, my presence will go with you. The Lord is speaking to Moses, and I will give you rest. What a promise. Can I tell you, the Lord still gives us that promise today. And my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. This is type and shadow of salvation. When you come out of bondage into that glorious life of redemption, being, being covered in his blood and redeemed and set free, he says, my presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, I love Moses' reply here. This should be our heart as well. Do not bring us up from here. In other words, Lord, if you don't go with us, this is, there's nothing that we want to do. You must be with us. We have to have you. If we don't have your presence, everything else is invaluable or, yes, of no value. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So we shall be separate, your people and I, from all the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken, for you have found grace in my sight, and I know you by name. Can I tell you, friends, this is the Lord speaking again to us this morning. He knows us by name. He calls us into his presence. He calls us into his rest. He calls us to labor with him, but it is not a hard labor. It's a labor that is easy because we are yoked together with him. He gives us the strength. He gives us the provision. He gives us the anointing. He gives us the words to say when we don't have words to say. Even when we're unlearned, he gives us the wisdom. He gives us the, the encounter with him so that all we have to do is speak what we have seen and what we have heard. His presence will go with us. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we're going to spend a little bit of time in Acts this morning. Is that okay? How many of you enjoy the book of Acts and the origins of the church, the promise of the Father, the promise of the Lord coming and birthing his people? This is who we are. Acts chapter 1 and starting in verse 4, it says, And being assembled together with them, he, meaning Jesus, commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For truly John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, say but. In verse 8 he says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus looks at them and basically says to them, as my disciples, don't do anything. Don't start a ministry. Don't start proclaiming this gospel. Don't pro start proclaiming this truth. Don't start a church. Don't do anything until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. Until you receive power, don't do anything. Can I tell you, church, there's a lot of folks with a lot of activity, quote-unquote Christian activity, that is void of the power and the presence of God. But we need a church in this hour that is full of the promise of the Holy Spirit. I'm not saying they haven't been saved. I'm not saying they haven't been sanctified. But I'm saying we need a powerful church, not a powerless church. That we don't do anything unless the anointing of God comes upon us. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of great programs and great activities of things that just simply make us look like something but are void of change and transformation. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, a fresh baptism in this place today. Hallelujah. I feel the Lord in this, in this place this morning. I'm telling you, get ready. Get ready. I'm, we're going to go into the Word. You're going to see it's not a one-time thing. He wants us to be filled and then to be filled again and to be continually filled with this Holy Spirit. Yeah, we walk his, with His residing presence, but there's something that He does when He comes upon us. In special moments and things begin to radically shift and radically change. It says oftentimes, and whether we get to it or not, the place where those, those assembled together, it was shaken when they began to pray together. 
Listen, I'm not trying to stir something up so that we, we stomp our feet and the, the floor shakes this morning. I'm saying when the Holy Spirit comes, the spirit of promise comes, and things are shaken, the world takes notice. The world takes notice. If only we take notice, that's not the Holy Spirit moving, friends. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's, that, that's a portion of it, perhaps. But if the world doesn't take notice, it's of no effect. The Lord has called us into this world to be change agents. When his spirit comes, it's a promise to bring change to the entire society. You have to understand, when you are born again, the Holy Spirit comes within us, amen? Some of this may be one-on-one for us. Some of this may be a reminder, but some of you, you need to recognize what's going on today. That there's importance to salvation. The Holy Spirit comes within us. He sanctifies us. He seals us. We are the guarantee. We are the children of God. But when we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are filled and endued with power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's a difference in essence. What I'm saying is there's a difference between position and power. Salvation brings us into a position. It brings us into a relationship. But the Holy Spirit baptism brings us into a place of power. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit comes within us again for relationships. He comes upon us. He baptizes us to empower us to do what we are called to do. He doesn't leave us as orphans. He doesn't abandon us and say, go do all this, see how well you do. Here's an impossible task. Here's a task that when you go about it, you're going to be persecuted. They're going to hate you for it. They're going to want to kill you. They're going to, you're not, you're going to, you want friendship? You're going to lose it all. You may have wealth, you may not. You may be stripped of titles. You may be all kinds of things on this mission, but I'm not going to give you any power. Is that what he says? No, he says, I'm going to give you power to do it. Flip over to Acts chapter 2. Maybe it's even on the same page. I know Pentecost is in a couple of weeks, but the Lord led me to this, and I know that we got to talk about it today. <laughs> we got to talk about it right now. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord. Say one accord in one place. And suddenly, I love the suddenlies of God. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I want you to notice that when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit wasn't a wind. He came as a mighty rushing wind. I don't want you to think that unless there's a mighty rushing wind that comes in this place this morning, that the Holy Spirit's not here. But if he comes and manifests that way, praise God. All I'm saying is don't look for the Holy Spirit in the wind. Don't look for him in the thunder. If he comes in that, praise God. But he may come in the silence. He may come in the fury. He may come in a various way to you today. But regardless, he is power. He is power. I want you to also notice they were filled and they began to speak. No one forced them to speak. No one forced them to, 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 to bring forth some syllables. And I'm saying this because some of you have been in the church for some time. And, you know, you've been through some things and seen some good things, some bad things, some ugly things, some weird things. We're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So I know there's a lot of different thoughts out there today. I, I, I know growing up, I, I was laid hands on by a Sunday school teacher and she wanted all of our all of us children to just be baptized in the Holy Spirit so she she took she took us on this table she laid hands on us and she she started moving our chins <laughs> she meant well you know her heart I believe was in the right place I'm not knocking her for that but I'm just saying when the Holy Spirit comes you don't have to force it when the Holy Spirit comes you know that he comes and it's evident to everyone there's a, a spirit overflow. There's a welling up inside of you. There's something that comes upon you. There's, a, there's a, an experience that does truly take place. And you know, 
So much so that as we get into this world, you'll see every single time the world recognizes. They didn't know what, quote unquote, the baptism of the Holy Spirit was. They just knew something happened. The Jews knew, the Gentiles knew, the world knew. They're like, wow, something's different. Something's taking place. So what is a tongue? What is a tongue this morning? Basically, at the most rudimentary level, it's, an on, or it's, a, it's a known or an unknown language. It's a language not recognizable to your understanding, as in what we are seeing happening here, a heavenly language. The Jews from all over ran to see what was going on, only to find unlearned men. I love this story. I love what happens in this place. And let me remind you just one quick thing, since we were talking about passionately pursuing last week. There were many more that were supposed to be in that room. You recognize that, right? If you look in 1 Corinthians, it actually talks about how there was 500 or so, you know, that were supposed to be there. But perhaps during that 10 days or whatever, during that period of waiting for the promise, they figured, you know, this isn't worth it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not coming. Maybe I should just do something else. It got down to the 120, which is still a lot. But it got down to that 120 who remained faithful who stayed waiting in that upper room. I'm saying don't give up your passionate pursuit this morning. But they find the Jews from all over gathering in this city, find these men, these unlearned men, these nobodies, these, these ones that aren't rabbis, these ones that aren't of the greatest school, the greatest teachers, the greatest following, all of a sudden speaking forth in their own native tongues. What an awesome picture. What an awesome sight to see a, 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 a hodgepodge, a, a melting pot of nations coming together and all of a sudden the gospel is being shared in their own language. What an awesome thing. Can I tell you, it still happens today. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it and encountered it. The Lord works in that same way today. This wasn't a once and done thing. Peter gives his famous sermon. He goes on in this chapter and and the, he, he goes on to say, you know, these men are not drunk as you may suppose. It's, it's early in the morning, but they are filled with the Holy Spirit. There's something that has radically changed their hearts and their lives. They're filled with God, his own presence. Skip down to verse 33, or 32, excuse me. It says, then Jesus has raised up, Peter continuing in his message, Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. Which you now see and hear. If you have that in your Bible, I want you to underline that, see and hear. See and hear. What you see, what you hear. Men of God, men of fire, we talked about having an encounter with God over this weekend, and we talked about when you have an encounter with God, you see something, you hear something. There's something about an encounter with the Lord. Notice that see in here. Skip down to verse 38. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And, does it say and? And. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Why am I emphasizing this this morning? Simply to make a very plain point to you, because I know there's a lot of adverse thoughts towards this, that there is a, an infilling of the Holy Spirit that is separate from salvation, that you, you can be baptized in water for the remission of your sins, as we all should. And in fact, this is a shameless plug. We've got baptism happening in a couple of weeks. Some of you need to sign up because we need to allow ourselves to come into that full baptism with Christ, allowing our old life to be dead and rising up out of that water, a new creation. Saying before all men as a testimony of an inward work that has happened inside of you to say before all men, I'm declaring I'm declaring my old life is gone. I'm putting to death my old ways. I'm putting to death. I'm being baptized with Christ. So therefore, the power of sin has no longer reign in my life. There is no power of sin. It is dead. Death itself is dead. 
I take on Jesus. I take on a new life, a new person, a new creation, a new relationship, a new identity, and I'm risen with Christ. Hallelujah. We need to be baptized. Amen. But then he says, and so you'll be baptized with Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift, the glorious gift of the Holy Spirit, that promise that comes to endow and do you with power. You need it, friends. It's not just a recommendation. You need it. You need it. You can do some things without it. You can do okay, perhaps. I wouldn't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> but you shall receive power. You'll receive the promise. He's commending to them. And then he goes on to say, what else? Plain as day, friends. For you, for the promise is to you, those that were there, right there in that moment, and to your children, the generation that comes after you. And then what does it say? And to all who are far off. Is this just those that are in other nations? Yeah, perhaps. But no, in other generations, it says, to our afar off, as many as the Lord will call. All who call on the name of the Lord can receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And all of us need it this morning. It did not cease with the death of the apostles. It did not cease with the end of the writing of Scripture. We need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Four other accounts of people being baptized in the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. We'll go through these quickly because I want you to be actually filled with the Holy Spirit this morning. I believe he's moving. Each one of these accounts, except for one of them, actually show the baptism of the Holy Spirit being a separate experience from salvation. There's one occurrence where it actually happens at the same time. Philip, a great evangelist, preaching in Acts chapter 8. Turn over there to Acts chapter 8 with me. Notice all throughout each and every one of these encounters what the people see, what they hear. Whether the people that were receiving the baptism or those around them are seeing and hearing. Acts chapter 8, verse 12 through 13, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, both men and women were baptized. Hallelujah. Then Simon himself also believed. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So we see them right here. They're receiving salvation. Amen. How do we know that? It says that they believed. They believed. What did they believe? They believed this message. They believed the gospel, that Jesus Christ was who he said he was. He did come to earth as the Messiah. He went to the cross and died, and he rose again on the third day. They believed the message, and they were baptized. They gave their life. They, they, they were baptized. You don't get baptized if you don't come into salvation experience. You must be saved before you're baptized. Because that's what you're recognizing. It's an outward expression of what has taken place. So I can say they received salvation. Why? Because then in verse 14, skip down. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Let me pause right there. They sent Peter and John to them. You know where Peter and John were? They were in another city. They were 35, 45 miles away. It was so important to them that they didn't just get saved. They didn't just have a baptism in water, an immersion experience. They needed the power, the anointing, or the promise of the Holy Spirit. They, they sent for Peter, Peter and John to be able to come so that they could receive the Holy Spirit. That's a three-day journey, friends. It was so important, important enough to say, hey, leave what you're doing. These people need the power of God. They've received the revelation of the Christ, but now they need the power of God. I'm telling you, friends, we need the power of God. The power of God. Verse 15, who when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. They received the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. 
It's one thing to believe, be saved, sanctified, and delivered. It's a whole other thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. So how do we ask for the Holy Spirit? Hold your finger in Acts. I'm just going to read this verse to you from Luke 11:13. Jesus says, if then you, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You recognize, you simply recognize that you have a great and good father in heaven who loves to give gifts to his children. All he says is simply ask for it. It's not hard. You don't have to work something up. You don't have to show what you've done to ascribe to something. Just simply ask. Father, can I have some of that? Is that okay? Is this too hard for us this morning? Lord, give us your power. And he wants to give it as a gift. Why then don't we do it? Why do we do it once and then think that we're good? Become satisfied and fat with, with one encounter, with one experience. I enjoy the presence of God so much. I enjoy relationship with, with God the Father. I enjoy speaking and, and partnering with the one who is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us and praying alongside of him and, and hearing what comes. I've often said that we don't declare things unless Christ himself says it, right? If you don't hear it, if he doesn't declare it, if he doesn't say it, don't you declare it. But I'm telling you, there's something about this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Notice it says, your heavenly Father. How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? In essence, you're already a child of God. You've come into salvation. You're a child of his. If you're a child of his, then you have the right to ask him. If you're not a child of his, the spirit of truth can't come in you. It can't come upon you in that way. You must be a child of God. So that's the only requirement. Believe and be baptized. Ask and you will receive. Acts chapter 8, again, verse 17, 19. Then they laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. And when Simon saw that through the laying, hand on, laying on, or yeah, through the laying on a, of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. What an interesting thing, right? <laughs> to think that you could buy the power of God, to buy the anointing. But I don't want to draw into too much of that. You know, yeah, we have greedy hearts. We have hearts that desire power and all these things that need to be put to death. But I want to just simply point out the fact that this man was able to look and see that something happened. They had the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and it wasn't that something was just said, nothing happened. Something took place that he said there was power expressed, so much so that I want to pay to have this. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is an encounter with Almighty God, and something happens to you. Something changes in your life. Something outward is even expressed, often with tongues, often with prophecy, not only with those things, but I'm telling you, it's an important representation of what happens when the Holy Spirit wells up inside of you. Hallelujah. Turn with me to Acts chapter 9. This is Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus having an encounter with the Lord. In verse 3, it says, And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Man, to be in a place apart from God, all of a sudden hearing from the Messiah, hearing from the King of Kings saying, why are you persecuting me? I don't know about you, but that would cause me to quake. That would cause me to shake. Verse 5, and he said, who are you, Lord? <laughs> he knew he was in the presence of something almighty. <laughs> then the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. <laughs> so he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? I'm telling you, right in that moment, it didn't take Saul long to recognize that that was the Messiah. 
He recognized almost instantaneously that he was persecuting the one that was truly the Messiah. And instantaneously, as if the revelation came, he believed. And it's as if he had salvation right there in that moment. He says, Lord, what do you want me to do? How do you recognize that you had a salvation experience? You're ready for obedience. You're ready to do whatever the Lord calls you to do. Hallelujah. Skip down to verse 17. And Ananias, or, yeah, went his way and entered the house and laying his hands on him, being, being Saul, he said, Brother Saul, again, confirmation. He wouldn't have said Brother Saul unless he wasn't a part of that kingdom, a part of that fellowship. He recognizes that this man has been saved because the Holy Spirit, Jesus spoke to him and let him know this man has come into relationship and he's going to be great in my kingdom. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, he already had his moment of salvation, and now he needs the infilling, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. He arose and was baptized. What's the fruit of Saul coming into that moment, being changed into Paul? That salvation experience, that encounter with God, and then being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a miraculous work. Scales fall from our eyes, friends, when the Holy Spirit comes into our life. Scales fall off our, our lives and we're able to see clearly. Whatever hindered us, whatever weight of tradition, religion, Whatever wrong thinking we had falls from our eyes and we're able to come against those things and walk out in anointing and power to be able to declare what has happened to us. That I once was one way, but now I'm another way. That I once walked in darkness, but now I walk in light. I once walked in the foolishness of my own wisdom and thought I had everything all together, but now I recognize I am but nothing I am but nothing, and all I do is what I hear my Father telling me to do, what I hear the Spirit leading me to do. Just as Jesus said, I only do what my Father tells me. We come into that same relationship. Lord, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? It doesn't say that Paul spoke in tongues at that moment. It doesn't articulate that, but I have reason to believe that he probably did. Why? Because later on he talks about how he spoke in tongues more than all of you, right? Well, that happened at some point. It could have happened later, perhaps. But I want to believe that perhaps it happened during this moment. During this moment, he believed he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he probably spoke in tongues in that moment, an overflow of what the Lord was doing in his life. I think it's reasonable enough to say. Another encounter, turn over to Acts 10, verse 44 through 46. This is Cornelius' house. I love this encounter. Why? Because this isn't a Jew. He talks to the Gentiles now, and the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. How exciting. So Peter's preaching the gospel to them. And for Peter, let me just back up a second. For Peter to be in Cornelius' house, you know that he was led by the power of God, by the Spirit of God. Because during this societary, uh, you know, is that a word? I just made it up. Okay, society, during this culture, <laughs> for a Jew to walk into the house of a Gentile, that was forbidden. You were looking for a fight to, to, to break out. You were looking for shame in your own, your own society. You were, looking for, you were looking for some bad things to happen. But there was a divine moving of the Spirit upon Peter, and he knew he heard the voice of the Lord saying, go into this house. And so at that word, he had to be obedient. Why? Because he was baptized himself in the Holy Spirit, and he had power. He began to see what the Holy Spirit would do. And he said, if he moved on me before to do this, 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 and this, why shouldn't I believe him now? It probably scared him spitless, to be honest. And that's quite okay. That's quite, all, that, that's quite all right. Sometimes that is our response to the call of God upon our lives. But that's not a deterrent to you. That should tell you perhaps you're going in the right direction. Perhaps you're moving correctly. And so he finds himself going into Cornelius' house with his guests. And Peter's preaching. 
you can read the, the whole story there, but we just pick up in for, verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. Hallelujah. And those of the circumcision who believed, those who, who were Jews, were astonished. They were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues and to magnify God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is that encounter where I believe they were saved and filled with the Holy Spirit all at once. They believed the message of Peter. They believed in Jesus, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's sometimes when you, you can only have that type of an encounter. He didn't have enough time to, to, to go into a lengthy discourse on what needed to happen in that Gentile home. The Holy Spirit helped as he should. The helper comes in and shows up in power to confirm the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of the word of God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come in this place right now at the preaching of your word, Lord Jesus. You are the one, the only one who is found worthy, the only one who's worthy to open up the scrolls at the end of the age. Jesus, you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy. You are our king. You are our savior. You are our redeemer. You are our Lord. You are our king. Holy Spirit, come and confirm that word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They were saved and baptized that same time. I'm getting stirred this morning. Whew, turn over to Acts 19. Acts 19. In verse 1, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. What a region to be in. And finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? It was important enough for him to ask. When you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? In other words, you already received salvation. You believed. Did you also receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? So they said to him, we have not so much as even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Well, that's a problem. So verse 3, and he said to them, into what then were you baptized? <laughs> so they said, into John's baptism. Praise God for John's baptism. Verse 4, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. Verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. They spoke with tongues, and they prophesied. The power of God came upon them. Again, an experience, an encounter with the Holy Spirit. They were Spirit-empowered people. Spirit-empowered people. I love seeing when the Lord moves. Is that enough evidence for you, or do you want more? We could go into it even deeper, but I'm telling you, there's a separate experience that we all need to have. And if you haven't had that yet in this place, I'm telling you it's available for you today. Today. It's available for you right now. If you're a child of God, you're, you're qualified. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you can say, Father, I want the gift of your Holy Spirit. I want the gift of your Holy Spirit. Empower me. Empower me. Not so that I become, become something, but that your power can flow through me that I can be a vessel. Make me a vessel, God. Make me a vessel, God, that you would pour out your glory through, that would change those around me, that when they see me, they don't actually see me. They see something that's changed. How many of you have had that encounter after you were first baptized with the Holy Ghost? All of a sudden, those that were around you that knew you and knew your old life say, there's something different about you. There's something different about you. I remember when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit and we were doing this, uh, this, this Heaven's Gates, Hell's Flames thing at the time. We were preparing for it and I was, we were doing this at a, at a high school uh, auditorium and I was walking in the, in, in the hallway. It was, it was one evening. There was another friend of mine who was on one of the sports teams and so he was there. This was after hours and stuff like that. And he saw me in the hallway, and I was just walking. I was just saying, hey, man, 
so good to see you. I just started talking. I don't think I even mentioned the name Jesus. But he saw such a drastic transformation in my life that he said, dude, there's something different about you. What, what happened to you? And I'm like, man, if you only knew what happened to me. If you only knew what I had encountered. I had encountered the living God. I had been baptized in the Holy Spirit. No one laid hands on me for that time. I was in a worship service in Pensacola, Florida. I shared this testimony with many of you before. But the Holy Spirit came upon me during that worship service. I asked God simply a question as all we have to do. I said, God, if this is real, show me. God, if this is real, show me. And it was as if there was a lightning bolt that came and zapped me. I fell underneath the pew, the Holy Spirit, his presence. I didn't know at the time how to describe it, what was going on, but I was underneath the power of God for hours. I was taken back into the hotel room hours later, and then I came and said, what happened? What happened? Because I was in the presence of God. I was in the presence of God, feeling his love, feeling the weight of his glory. And I'm telling you, you don't have to have that same experience, but there's an experience for you today. It's okay to want and desire an experience with God. We don't live only in experience. This whole thing is an adventure. But I'm telling you, desire that gift. Desire that gift of the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we need his transforming power. 1 Corinthians 13, verses 8 through 10 says, Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Verse 12, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know, just as I am also known. Why do I bring this up to you today? Because many, many folks will try to say that with this word, it means that once everything was, was written, perhaps the perfection of the, the, the Bible itself, the, the inspired word of God was written, that everything else will cease. That at the death of the apostles, everything else will seek. Well, did wisdom cease? Did knowledge cease? Why then should tongues cease? Why then should prophecies cease? Why then should the power of God cease? The thing that is perfect that is coming is the one who is called worthy, who ushers in the age of perfection. <laughs> Hallelujah. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we shall see him face to face. We shall see the church beautiful and glorified, a pure and spotless bride. Then, now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I am known. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just quickly, just to, to teach and instruct you this morning, there's different types of tongues as well. You know, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, again, one of the primary evidences is speaking in tongues, and I highly recommend it. I do. As a pastor, I'm not ashamed to say that. There are some that won't speak in tongues. That's true as well. But you know what? There's some awesome things that happens with the, the gift of tongues. Regardless, I'm telling you, be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You need the power of God. You need the boldness of God operating in your life. You need to allow that spirit of prophecy to come out of you. You need to allow the spirit of Christ to move through you. But there's public and there's private tongues. Four different types of tongues that I can see. Two of them public, two of them private. There's some that are public that are assigned to the unbelievers. One example would be a gift of tongue and interpretation. Maybe you've even experienced that here during a service where all of a sudden the Holy Spirit will rise up inside of somebody and there will be an utterance that comes out in a tongue. Maybe it's not even in that type of a situation. It's another situation where literally tongues just begin to be, be, be blurted out. It's an overtaking and overcoming, uh, the, uh, an overflow of the spirit that begins to come out of a person. And then with that is an interpretation, an interpretation that makes sense of what is happening so that it can be assigned to those that are around there would be a sign to those that are around. Sometimes it's even that they will actually hear directly for themselves out of that spoken tongue because it will be the tongue in their own language. How many of you have ever had that happen to you? A few of you. 
Not many, but I'm, I've shared this testimony before. I've only had this happen to me one or two times. One that I really remember, we were at a, a tent crusade meeting. It was evangelistic time during the summer uh, back in New Jersey many years ago. And uh, I was part of the worship team. And so we, were, we had finished practicing and rehearsing. And uh, we were just praying, walking around the, the tent before the service. And how many of you remember those days where you had sawdust on the floor? bunch of folding chairs and stuff like that some awesome things would happen you know some of you maybe had bad experiences with that but in any case this was a good experience and so I'm praying uh, there's a few other people that were praying there and all of a sudden I sense just an overwhelming uh an overtaking of the, the Holy Spirit on me and I'm I'm praying in tongues but all of a sudden my tongues begin to shift and it shifted into like a different dialect I could feel my mouth twisting and taking on like a Korean type of a, 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 a language. And I didn't understand what I was saying, but I could, I could feel it. It was, you know, I can't do it now. <laughs> but I remember being there and just, just, just going over this. And what had happened was there was another lady that I didn't see. She was over by the speaker and she had been praying. She had been interceding for weeks and months for the salvation of her family. She was from South Korea. She was from South Korea. And she came over to me while I'm praying in, in this tongue. And she starts talking to me in, to, to me in Korean. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she said, I'm sorry. I thought you knew and understood Korean because you were just praying for my family. And I was wanting to know how you knew that they needed salvation. I'm telling you that there's a stirring that happens inside of this, the power of God. There's reason why we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We don't speak in crazy syllables so that we look like fools. Sometimes we do. But I'm telling you, there's a purpose for the power of God. There's a purpose for his anointing and his infilling. There's also times, again, where there's that tongue and interpretation and there's a, you know, the sign for unbelievers, but there's a tongue and interpretation for believers that there would be a gift that is given to the body for an uplifting and an encouragement to the people of God because God wants to speak. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced some of those private times of tongues where you're praying in that prayer language that the Lord has given you, a different kind of tongue a heavenly language that when you pray, all of a sudden you sense that you're connecting with heaven. It's a release from your natural thinking and a natural understanding. And you release onto God and all of a sudden you begin to feel your spirit, man, begin to, to take on strength. Maybe even physically in your own body, you begin to feel strength come upon you. How many of you pray in the spirit on a regular basis? Praying while you're driving, while you're at work, while you're in the shower, while you're doing laundry, while you're doing whatever. You can pray in the spirit. Jude 20, pray without ceasing, right? I'm telling you, there's a, there's a, there's a prayer that goes on as we connect to God, a, a heavenly language that allows us to be edified and built up, that gives us things to pray that we don't know how to pray. Those two private things. One is just simply connecting with God. Then the other gives us the understanding and the revelation to know what to pray, to what to do. There's a language that is spoken, a heavenly language that even angels do understand. There's a relationship there that goes beyond our comprehension, I believe, but there's some things that happen with personal private prayer languages that allow private warfare, spiritual warfare to take place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't put these in my notes, so I'm going to have to turn there. We're going to bring this to a close here in just a moment. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. In verse 14, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Verse 15, what is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. I'm telling you here that there is a prayer that you can pray that is in a tongue. There's also praying in the spirit that edifies the entire body. There's a multiplicity of things that are going on here, but I'm telling you, you can pray in the Spirit, and you can pray with your own understanding. 
I would rather pray in the spirit, but then when I'm speaking publicly, pray with understanding. That should be our mode, that should be our method. In verse 2, it says, For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. No, for no one understands him. However, the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. The Spirit of God. Turn over to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Many of us love this verse, but we need, we need this. We need this. Likewise, in verse 26 of Romans chapter 8, likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. You feel weak this morning? Do you know that you are weak? If you think you're strong and you're weak, we need to know <laughs> where we stand. Take heed lest we fall, right? Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what the, we should pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be heard. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Hallelujah. 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 Mike, I'm going to ask you and the worship team to come. There's something that happens when the Holy Spirit begins to move upon us, when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. I started out talking, and I mentioned to you, you know, this isn't just about a one-time encounter. I don't have time today to go through all the scriptures where it talks about be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be, be filled again. Be filled to overflowing. But I encourage you, go throughout the book of Romans, you'll see it. Go throughout the book of Acts, you'll see it. You'll see an infilling and an overflowing of the power of the Holy Spirit to be a Spirit-empowered people. Again, it's not just to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, but this is the origin. This is important for us to embrace as a church body, but also as Christians, as individuals in Christ. But then once we have that baptism in the Holy Spirit, that's what allows us to continue in that way to where, again, whether it be exciting or it be the mundane, the Spirit allows us to be empowered, to be able to embrace trials and embrace suffering and to embrace persecution, to embrace anything in this life. We are a spirit-empowered people that are able to give glory to God. For some people, it isn't going to be that you prophesied or that you spoke in another tongue that allows them to believe. It's going to be the 10 years you spent being faithful to your spouse. It's going to be the, 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 the 10 years you were on a job where you had a terrible boss and you went alongside of these other coworkers and you were faithful day in and day out. Why? Because it wasn't that you just had good moral standards. It wasn't because you just simply had a good and nice work ethic, but you had the power of the Holy Holy Spirit empowering you in that place to be a minister of the gospel and affect change and allow that power, that spirit empowerment to bring change where you are, to open up the door when they see you and mock you for years, but then all of a sudden come to you when things get tough, when they lose a loved one, when they, when they go through a crisis in their own life, when they come to the end of themselves, they know where to look. I'm talking about being a spirit empowered people. A spirit-empowered people full of the word of God, full of the spirit of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Would you stand with me?